So we, we've got a lot of stuff going on in, in America right now where, where, and I'm not even going to talk about the lost world and where the lost world is dealing with stuff. We've got a problem in America with, with Christians who are, we're embracing, embracing, professing Christians are embracing all kind of sin. That everything's okay. You know, the whole, you know, if you, if, if you, if you, um, if you say homosexuality is sin, you're being unloving. If you, if you are saying transgenderism is a problem, you're being unloving. You're being, you know, you're, you're, you're critical. You're, 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 you're whatever. You know, you're a fanatic. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't love Mother Earth and worship Mother Earth, the great going on right in, in in that so i found something that that i read through it and i thought I'll, i'm going to read that to you now understand don't get mad as i'm reading it because it's it's written to be intentionally it's it's maybe like satiric being like a satire and it's but it's from the it's, let me just read it to you and just understand but i want you to as i'm reading these things i want you to relate it to what we hear today folks we have to stand for right. We don't, have to be, we don't have to be contentious and ugly and hateful, but we have to contend for the faith. Amen. We can't compromise. We can't uh, capitulate to, to the pressures that, that are being forced on people because it's the whole cancel culture because now it is we'll force you. We're going to make you change your mind. You may not change your mind. We're going to make you, though, bow down to whatever golden image we put before you. Okay, so that's kind of the context. We think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? So why faithful exiles? This would be, it was like it was written like it's an article or like some group in that day with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wrote this article. And it says, why faithful exiles can bow to the golden statue. We know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down. They didn't worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here, here it is. So uh, it has recently come to our attention that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have put forth the argument that any Israelite who bows down to King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue has departed the faith and become apostate. We do not know who appointed these three extremely wealthy and privileged men to stand over everyone else and act as though their personal opinion should be the rule for every for uh, rule everyone follows but here here are 11 reasons why you can bow down to the statue and still love God okay it, this is the argument folks you, you just know you're going to hear this argument out there well I love God but okay number one Bowing down to the golden statue doesn't necessarily mean that you have to worship the statue in our hearts. We should bow down to communicate solidarity and love to our neighbors instead of judgment and intolerance. Okay? I mean, isn't that, isn't that, doesn't that just first thing? It rings true to what's going on today. You are intolerant. You're intolerant if you don't embrace it. It's not that you just say, well, go live your life. You, you, today, the intolerance is if you don't embrace and tell them, oh, no, that's good. That's you be who you are. Love wins. Love whoever you want to love. Dress however you want to dress. But if you, don't, if you don't embrace that 
and stand with them, then you're intolerant. And they'll cuss you out. They'll throw rocks at you. And they're intolerant. Interesting. Number two, if we do not bow down to the statue, our neighbors will dismiss us as too rigid and will not listen to us share our faith. Number three, Nebuchadnezzar is set, has been set over us by God's sovereign will. Shouldn't we obey the Lord's servant as an ex, uh, expression of our humility before God? Now, you can get into the whole, are we to, are we to submit to the authorities in our life? Absolutely. But are we to obey men or God? God. And we, we went through this, you know, I preached a whole message on this about when, when it's unrighteous leadership, when it's unrighteous stuff, because the things, the things folks, our government's doing today, it, it, it's not even what the government that God, the authority that he gives government, they, they've overstepped that. So when they, when they do that, then no, we don't have to, to bow down to those things when it goes against God. Can we be sure, number four, can we be sure what, what the phrase you shall have no gods before me means. Arguably, this golden statue is not a bad or, or not a god, but even if it were, bowing to it would not necessarily mean putting this particular god before the Lord. Why such a narrow interpretation? Huh. What has God, did God really say? Isn't that what we hear today? Did God, did God really say, is that what he really, did I get that? God didn't really mean that. Number five, also that we are to make no graven images, make no graven images doesn't really apply here since we are not the ones who made it. We didn't make it, but so we can bow down to it. Number six, what about the younger generation? Our Israelite teenagers and young adults are, are learning new ideas from their Babylonian teachers and friends. If we refuse to bow to the golden statue, we risk losing our young people who will see us as exclusionary and narrow-minded. That, that's going on. That, that mentality is going on because what's happening is our kids are being brainwashed. They are being indoctrinated. Listen, if your kids... I, I tell people, you, you're, you're the parent. I'm not, I'm, no one's, I'm not the Holy Spirit in anybody's life. But if you got kids in public school, you got to work three times as hard, probably more than that. That's probably way under uh, underestimated. You got to work that much harder to pour into your kids and to refute and to and to help them through the the, the lies they're going to be told. And when you number seven. It is said that when the Messiah comes, he will gather all the nations to the Lord and that the Lord's house will be a house of prayer for all. Does that necessarily mean that all, all the nations will pray to God in the same way and under the same name that we do? It may well be that this statue is one of the many ways the Lord makes himself known to the nations. We hear that today. 
Number eight, has it escaped your notice that the law of Moses was written almost 900 years ago? It was only found in the temple recently during Josiah's reign. Are we really supposed to believe that we have access to what Moses originally wrote? Shouldn't we expect that the law has been shaped by different scribes over the course of the centuries to reflect the needs uh, of their own times? Now that's, um, that's uh, uh, emergent thinking right there. That's the emergent church. This, this God has moved the bridge. You know, there's, there's not just one way. You know, God, God's doing it different now than he used to do it. It's, it's that idea right there. And that, um, you know, this isn't, that, that was right for their culture. It's not right for us today. Number nine, on that note, the context of our present exile is so radically different than the context of the wilderness uh, and Sinai, we know so much more now about the nations around us, and doesn't it seem that some of what we read in the law is inconsistent with what we now know? Oh, we're so much smarter than the Word. We're so much smarter. We're so much those things. Are so, number 10, you might also wonder why Moses should be given such prominence. He wrote from a position of power and privilege. We do not hear much from the women and the slaves and those of other ethnicities. It seems that this requirement that we not bow to the golden statue is embedded in an entire system created by the elites, designed to silence the voices of women and the poor and the sojourner. That's, that's, that's critical race theory right there. That's intersectionality. Um, the oppressed... And in our culture, what they're saying is, you, you've been oppressed. In our culture today, if you're the oppressed, then you are. If you're the most oppressed, like you're oppressed, and then you, they're, they're more oppressed, and they're more oppressed. Now, they have the moral authority to oppress everybody else. That's where this is going. And that's exactly what that is. Number 11, our Israelite neighbor, who is very devout and kind and compassionate and learned in the scriptures, plans to bow down to the statue when he hears the music play. He is a wonderful and pious person who loves the Lord and who just happens to also love other expressions of the divine. How can we say that the Lord would disapprove of such a good person? It's the whole, uh, they're a good person thing. There are people, we've, I've shared this, there are people who are... Uh, Worldly speaking, secularly speaking, they're good people, right? They're good people. They're, they're good people from a worldly standpoint. They're good people. I'll give you a shirt off their back. Being a good person has nothing to do spiritually because there are none of us that are good. Spiritually, we're all filthy rags. There's none good. No, not one. And, and we get this, you know, this idea of, well, they're, they're just they're good people. I mean, and this is that danger of... of uh, you know, are we to, we're, we're to be uh, in the world, not of the world, right? This is why, folks, it's a danger to fellowship with the wrong people. It's, you, you, you with the wrong people. And you go, but, but you know what? He's, he's great, they're great, they're a great family. Well, I mean, I realize they're lost and they do drugs and they do these things and they allow that. And, but, but they're good people and they say they love the Lord. We have to be careful. And, and the Lord's given us some very clear boundaries. 
For all of these reasons, after much prayer and seeking the Lord's will, we encourage you to love your neighbors, respect their beautiful culture, and as an act of holy solidarity, bow down to the golden statue that the most excellent Nebuchadnezzar has made. I thought that was very timely for where we're at today. This was from a guy named Matt Kennedy wrote it, and I found it. I found it actually. Somebody had had shared it on Twitter. Um, it's I can tell you if you ask me afterwards, I can I can show you where it's at. It's faith. Stand firm, stand firm. I think is the site on Twitter, and they had it on there. It's actually from the latter part of last year, so I was glad that somebody posted that. It was very interesting, very timely. Amen. All right, so let's, let's get to going here. Um, the final, the, the first two, we looked at the first two points last week. We're going to look at the last two points here, verses 7 through 9. Uh, actually, we'll just do 7, through, seven and 8 because we're going to do 9 and 10 the next part. Uh, the, the third point of this will be the final rebellion of sinners, the final rebellion of sinners. Now, verse 7, and we've been talking about the millennium, the thousand years. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from prison, from his prison. And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. Now, so just when we think everything's good, Satan's gone, he's chained up, he's put in the bottomless pit, he comes forth again. But understand this, it's not by his own power. He, he didn't do a jailbreak. He didn't, he didn't escape out of jail he was, he was allowed out. He was released. He, so the Lord released him. And so this is God's doing. So he's released. And God, who is always sovereign, allows Satan to have one final fling. And, you, and you, so the question you know, you'd have, and you, you'd be like, well, why? Why would the Lord do that? Why, why, what's the purpose of that, right? So he's been in there for a thousand years. What's the purpose of releasing him and allowing him to come out here and deceive people again and pull people and, it, and, and here's why. It is God's final testimony to the wickedness of the human heart. We think, the, boy, we're just so good. We're holy. We're righteous. Uh, you know, even us believers, you know, we're forgiven. But boy, we're, it don't take long to get away, right? It don't take just that quick. And boy, you can slip. You can do this. We can make a mistake. Uh, we were talking about this right before church, how, how the Lord protects us. But we have to, man, you got to make some good decisions. Because all you got to do is start walking in the flesh. If you ain't walking in the spirit and you're walking in the flesh, you'll make dumb decisions real quick. You will. And so, um, so it's mankind's final test. So, so there's going to be some people who are going to rebel uh, with Satan in this time. There are going to be some folks that are going to follow him. And you think, that's, that's crazy. Pastor, I thought everybody would be saved during the millennium. Well, that's, that's not. No, they won't be. Uh, people will have children during the millennium. And when they have children, many of these children will, will not have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And Jesus will rule the nations. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron. He's going to rule. There's going to be, there's going to be law and order. And it's going to be right and righteous and all that. But... As he's ruling the nations with a rod of iron, there, there, will, there will be no uprising in that time. There won't be any of that. It's, things are in line. Have you noticed, you know, it's, it, it's when, when America, when, when, I mean, the majority of Americans today, we've, we're so compromised. 
We're so compromised. And, and Americans would say, we're Christian. I'm Christian. I'm a Christian. And a lot of those who say they're Christian never go to church. A lot of those who say they're Christian go to church twice a year. They're, they're Christer. Christer Christians. Christmas and Easter, maybe. CEOs. Christmas, Easter, Easter only. Yeah, CEOs. CEO Christians. Um, but there's, there's Christians that, well, people, I, I say Christian. I use that, I'm, I'm using that in quotes because it's people who say they're Christian, but they've never been born again. They've never allowed the, the Holy Spirit to, to the, the Holy Spirit's never changed them. They, they don't get into the Word of God. Even some who, who maybe have truly made a profession of faith and really come to faith, and they, if they don't get into the Word of God, folks, if you're not reading this book, you ain't growing. You're not growing. You go, well, I want to know God. I want to get closer to God. Here's your answer. You go, I, you know, I, listen, I've been, I've, I, I listen to the Bible almost every day. I just put it on and play it. Riding to work, I got a 30, 35-minute drive. I, I listen, majority of the time, I listen to it coming home. Now, I won't tonight, because tonight is Wednesday night. I call my mother every Wednesday night. My mom used to get mad. She's like, I ain't heard from you for two weeks. Three, t- three weeks. I'm like, I can't believe it's been three weeks. So I said, all right, when I leave here on Wednesday nights, I call my mama. And uh, so that way, every week, she knows, hey, son. You know, so that's good. But I listen to the Word of God. And I read it and I'm studying it, but I want to bathe my mind in the Word of God. And you'll hear stuff. Even as you're listening, you hear. There's no way to grow and know if you don't get in the Word. There's no other way. Show me another way. There is no other way. This is how we grow, folks. So get in the Word. We're blessed to have this. As we've been talking about in Corinthians, they didn't have this completed Word. They had to have the tongues and the prophecies and someone to speak for God to them. God would speak through them and give them revelations and stuff. We don't need that today because we got everything we need right here. Get in the word. Get in the word. Um, there's folks that, today that don't get in the word. And we, we struggle. I don't know where I was going with all that. We struggle, though, is that we struggle as a nation. This is what it was. When, when America... When the majority of Americans really were, they were in church. When, when businesses didn't open on Sundays because nobody was going to go to their business on Sunday because they went to church on Sunday morning. They went home and had dinner together. Then they had church on, Wednesday, on Sunday night. And, and their, their whole day was centered around church. Their lives centered around church. They were there on Wednesday. Now, a lot of things during the week, they were active. They were involved with church. But people, they were, they were close to the Lord. They knew what the Word of God said. And you know what happened? You, you didn't have homosexual alley. Run, it didn't mean there wasn't homosexuals. But you didn't have them running out in the street waving purple, purple and multicolored flags around. They, they, didn't, they didn't come out that way because those things were, they were not, they were not accepted. They were not, it, because it was sinful and it was looked down on. Amen. Now, I don't, I don't want to, listen, I don't want to see anybody ever persecuted. We are America and you got freedom. You can live like you want to, but don't force that on me. And, and I got the right to say that's sin. And I tell you that because it's like your house is on fire and, and I'm telling you, your house is on fire. Oh, don't judge me. Well, I know you, it's not your cooking. It ain't smoke coming out of the kitchen. Your house is on fire and you need to get out. And so it's a warning and we do that because we're concerned about people. Boy, that's not received. That's not received. But it's different today. And it, we were talking about it the other day at a, at a, a pastor's breakfast and 
I don't know if y'all remember when the, the stuff about homosexual marriage was being pushed through. And this was, it was all about love. It's just love. It's just, it's just two people. Two people who love each other and we want to be able to have this ceremony. It was never about two people who love each other and want to have a ceremony. It wasn't about that. It was an agenda because it's the whole once the, once the big old great Dane gets his nose through the door, all of him's coming through the door. And you see what has happened in the short time since that was passed, how spiritually we've digressed in our nation. Amen? It's, it's, it's just terrible. Um, Satan's going to come back. He's going to lead an uprising. And, and the thing is, down in the human heart, there, there's still going to be sin. And those who haven't Listen, if they've not been washed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's still sin. The only way for that sin problem to be taken care of, and it won't be taken care of because the Lord is ruling righteously. That'll be great. Life will be wonderful. We talked about last week, you know, nature is going to bloom different. Governments are going to be different. Men, life, and not, life all the way around is just going to be different. It'll be, it'll be, like, it'll be like being back in Eden. The earth's going to blossom. The deserts won't be deserts anymore. I mean, it's going to be an incredible thing. But the only thing that will fix the sin problem that each person has is that personal relationship with Christ, being scripturally born again. Amen? So it, it, this is an important lesson. God, God's got a millions. He's got millions of children. Guess how many grandchildren he has? has none. You're, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean your children are going to be Christians or your grandchildren. God doesn't have. They have to come to him as his child. They don't come to him as your child and because you're a Christian. So it's very important we understand that. Um, so now in the millennium, there's going to be, there, there'll, there'll be God's children, uh, but there'll be, there'll be those who are, are, are children of God's children who have never been saved who in the millennium after a thousand years are going to rebel against God when Satan is, is let loose. And so God is demonstrating to the world two great principles in this. The first one is this. Punishment is not the, the final answer. Punishment is not the final answer. So Satan has been in prison uh, doing hard time for a thousand years, and he comes back to rebel one more time. And so punishment's not the answer. Uh, now, I believe that prisons I, I believe are important. I, I think... I think, we've, I think we need some type of reform in America, personally. When we got more people in prison in America, but folks, we... Oh, it'll just make you want to go, ugh. So the other day, here's what gets me. We are law. We're, we're a country of laws, right? We are. We're law and order. But when they had the train derailment, you know what the first thing that everybody's doing? They want to pass new laws. We've got plenty of laws on the books. It wasn't because of lack of laws. It wasn't a lack of laws that caused the train to derail and stuff to spill out and the government to put, put, put it on fire and pollute a whole, a whole ecosystem up there in Ohio. It, 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 it wasn't for a lack of laws. But what do, we, what do they want to do? They want, they want to take more power, pass another law, get some more power. Um, but just sticking people in prison isn't the answer. So we see it there. It's not the answer. Number two, environment is not the final answer. You know, you make your environment as, as good as, as you can, but after a thousand years of peace and righteousness, 
right down in the human heart, that latent sin is there and it's going to bubble up. It's going to bubble up. And, uh, you know, so many people today, today think this. They think, you know, if you could just change the environment, we can change the nature of men. We just change the environment. You know, it's, and it's the, whole, it's the whole lie of, well, we'll just make guns illegal. And then, you know what? The criminals all turn their guns in. I mean, it's exactly, you know, we, 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 this, if, guns, if guns are illegal, I mean, because y'all know this, right? It, when we ch- put up the stops, the, the, the speed limit signs, nobody speeds now because the heart of man is good. And when you create a good environment, man just says, man, that's, the, that's right. That's all. I had a guy about run me off the road last night, leaving here. One uh, last night, must have, been, uh, must have been Monday evening, I was going home. And there's people, there's a line of cars in front of me, and this fool cuts me off, almost cuts me off just to get 20 feet further down the road. And you know where he was when I got to the stoplight? He was at the stoplight. He almost killed me to get 20 feet of ground. So, you know, you can change the environment. It doesn't, it doesn't change the heart. Oh, isn't it? That's, exa- that's a great point, Trish. She just said, with the devil locked away, you can't say, well, the devil made me do it. But see, that's, that's, the, that's what we like to do, right? I've heard so many people come and say, well, the devil's been all over my back. I don't hear that here. I used to hear that. I don't hear it as much. But I used to hear it, oh, man, the devil's just been riding me today. I thought, boy, you must be something special if the devil is on you. I don't think devil's ever even paid attention to me. Now his, don't get me wrong, his hordes, his minions, all of them, they're, they're working on us. But this whole thing about the devil's working on, you know, he made me steal that $10,000 or, you know, made me, made me do this or made me do that. No, no, no. Flip Wilson, right? The devil made me do it. No, no. Devil, devil, the devil can't make you do anything. That's one of the, it's one of the lies that people believe. One of the things people believe, it ain't true. It ain't true. Satan can't make you do anything. He did not force Eve to eat that apple. She, wow. He just, he used deceit and lies and denying the word of God, all that. Next thing you know, she's like, wow, this looks great. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. So you may think, is that really true? I mean, is, is that really true? So if everything's like perfect, is there really sin in hearts that is going to bubble up when Satan comes? Well, let me ask you, when did sin first come into the world? In, in the where? In the garden. In the garden? The garden. The garden. The garden. I'm going to buy you a box of R's. That's what you're getting for Christmas. I'm going to buy you a box of R's. The garden. Jehovah Ka to the God. Ka, Ka. Um, right, right. Wasn't it in the Garden of Eden? Or am I missing something? It was, in the, it, was there a more perfect place? Has there ever been a more perfect place in the Garden of Eden? And, 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 they, and they fell into sin. So the environment's not the answer. The criminologist uh, and his prisons are not the answer. The sociologist and his programs are not the answer. The educator and his philosophies are not the answer. The statesman and his politics are not the answer. Folks, every, every two years we have elections. Every four years we think we're going to get the president. It's going to be our savior. Please get over that. Please get over it. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I want somebody that's going to rule righteously. I want somebody that's a constitutionalist. I want somebody that loves America. I want those things, right? But I don't have any misconceptions. Ronald Reagan did not save America. We're, we still had problems after Ronald Reagan was president. And we all, well, Ronald Reagan, he was the greatest, right? He was, he was the greatest. That was like my grandpa. I cried when he died. He'd been in office most of my life. Um, Jesus is the only answer. Amen? So I'll get political. I will. But polit- politics ain't the answer. Sin is, sin is the problem, and Jesus is the answer. And so one more time, that final filter, that final test, uh, it, it, the Lord's going to let Satan out of his prison, and, uh, and here people are going to go, and they're going to go with that sin that's late in their hearts. Gonna come up, they're going to follow him. There'll be that last bit of rebellion. Um, it, it, it happens, okay? So I, I, I saw a story about where they found the, the tombs of some of these, King Tut or whoever, different ones. They found a lot of things in those tombs. But one of them, it might have been Tut, and they found these seeds in there, some type of wheat or, or, or some type of a grain. Been in there thousands of years. And they took it, and they took some of that seed, and they put it in the ground and put some water on it, put it where the sun's shining on it, and guess what happened? It grew. Germinated. It's there. It's in there. And folks, that's, if, we're, if we're not born again, that sin's there. I don't care how good the environment is, that sin is in, in the heart. And that's what God is showing that that is man's heart is wicked and he is the only answer. So that is the way it, it is with sin in the human heart. Um, all right, last thing then is, is this. The fourth point is, is this. So it's the fixed resolution of sin. The fixed resolution of sin. So, Pastor, when will we be done with sin? That's the question. When will we be done with that? And look here in verse 9 and 10. Uh, we see these rebels. 9 and 10. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And look, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. All right, now this isn't, this isn't Armageddon here. We're not, we're not talking about Armageddon, but get that picture. Hey, did any of you see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Hey, who saw that? I just want to see the hands of everybody that saw the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> it's the greatest movie ever made. Raiders of the Lost Ark. But at the end there, you know, they, got, they open up the ark and all this stuff goes up into heaven. And it <laughs> takes, all, and and takes them in, their souls or whatever goes up and then <laughs> drops them into the ark and it slams. It's, it's visual. Think about what, what we're reading right here. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. When that time comes, it's just, it's just like that. He just, they're done. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And by the way, the beast and the false prophet, they've been there a thousand years. So don't ever get the idea that hell is temporary. It's not temporary. Hell is going to be permanent forever, forever, forever. And, and, it's, and it's, it is not too late until that last breath. And then it's too late. Once you leave this life, what you've done in this life is going to go with you for all of eternity. What you do with Christ, what you do with Christ in this life will go with you for all of eternity. 
for all of eternity. If you accept Christ, that, that, that changes your whole eternity. If you reject Christ, it's going to reflect your whole eternity. Your whole eternity, you'll be in hell. And you will, you will know. You'll remember. I'm convinced of this. It's not like you're going to be down there in, in agony and not understanding. You're going to understand why you're there. Because you rejected God's Son. You rejected the way that was made for your salvation. And so it's so important. So the beast and the, and the false prophet are there, and Satan's going to be cast in into the lake of the fire. The bottomless pit is like the county jail where the prisoner is held until he comes into court and is, is found guilty, and then he's cast into the penitentiary, where, which is the lake of fire. And uh, so will, will, we, will, we, will there ever be a time when sin is finished? Um, will the problem of sin be fixed forever? Can we ever say goodbye to sin Farewell, absolutely. Yeah, there's coming that day. And these rebels will experience a fiery death. God's going to speak the fire, and it'll be done. And like I said, this is not Armageddon. God will blow his breath on them, and, they'll, and, and all, all of that that's left is a pile of ashes, and their souls will be flung into eternity, and the devil that deceived them is cast headlong into hell. For the Bible says hell is prepared for the devil and his angels in Matthew 25, 41. And so if you follow Satan, then, you know, like I said, and I, I hate to say it bluntly like that, but if you follow Satan, you're going to go to hell with Satan, and you'll be there for all of eternity. And so you, 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 you don't want to follow a loser. You don't want to follow the, the one that's gonna, that's, that, that wants to take you to hell. He knows his destination. He wants you to go with him. He wants you to go with him. Listen, if you don't know the Lord tonight, you need to know the Lord. You need to, you need to come into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you put your faith in him. So when I studied this verse or, or this passage, and uh, this verse came to mind, 1 Corinthians, and we're right here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 and 25 says, Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Friend, what a day that's going to be, amen? Everything's going to be, everything's done, it's all sealed up, and the Lord's going to give it back to God. What a day that will be. Now, uh, Satan, Satan is uh, going to be bound Jesus is going to reign. The animal kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the human kingdoms of the world will be changed. Then there's coming a final rebellion, and our Lord will put that down, and he will say, Father, here is the kingdom, and I now deliver it up to you. And, 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 and it's now all things are back with the Lord. And so, you know, what does, that, what does that mean to you? What does that do for you? I'll tell you what it means for me. There's four things. It's encouraging to me. It's encouraging me. So, you know, you, you, I think we get the idea sometimes that, man, is the gospel failing? Why isn't the world getting better? And I shared this last week. You know, the, 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 our job is not to, to bring in the kingdom. Our job is not to win the whole world and the world is changed and becomes sinless and then the Lord comes. No, we, our, our job is to be out here throwing life preservers to anybody that we can so that, that, that they don't fall victim to this fallen world. Amen? That's what we're trying to do. But the Lord's going to come back, and the Lord's going to make it right. He'll make it right. He's the only one who can make it right. All, we're, all we can do is try to rescue people out, people who are perishing right now, is to, is to bring them out. And so it's encouraging to me. Um, it's it just keep doing what we're doing. 
Share the gospel. Share the gospel to everybody you can. And uh, it, because we're not, it's not like we're just rearranging deck chairs on, on the Titanic. It's not, I'm not, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's not doing any good. It's absolutely doing some good. For the person who comes to faith, and I think of a few guys, uh, one in here tonight, just in the last few years, in our congregation, came to faith in the Lord. And watching them grow. It's just, it's incredible. Does it mean, Michael? Is your salvation special to you? Does it mean something to you? Yeah, are you thankful that folks told you about Jesus? Amen. Anybody else in here thankful somebody told you about Jesus? Amen. You're thankful somebody said, hey, there's a hell. And you don't want to go. You don't have to go because there's a Savior. They tell you the bad news and then they give you the good news. You realize you can't have good news without bad news sometimes, right? You can't. Like... Well, I mean, let, let's, say, let's say I do this. If I came up to you, Trish, and I said, hey, Trish, good news. Your house is not on fire. And you go, well, thanks, Captain Obvious. I didn't think my house was on fire. But if somebody had called you 10 minutes earlier and said, Trish, your house is on fire, you'd be all in a panic. And if I came up then and I had, Trish, got good news. It's not your house. Your house isn't on fire. Then it's good news. See, you, you can't have good news without the bad news. It takes that bad news that when we have the bad news, then we get the good news. Folks, you can't give people good news of the gospel if they don't understand the bad news that they're lost. What are you saving them from? If many roads go to heaven, why do we need Jesus? If there is no sin, why do we need Jesus? There is sin. And we're separated from God because of our sin. And we'll spend eternity in hell if we die in our sin. That's bad news. And that's why there's good news. So it encourages me as I read this. Then there's anticip- anticipation because I believe, that, uh, I believe that the Lord could come at any moment. I, believe, I absolutely believe that I know his return is imminent, which means at any moment he could come. And I expect this. You know, I think we'll all be surprised. Even though we're looking, we'll be surprised when it happens, right? Do you ever, do you ever wonder like, what's going to be the next terrible thing to happen? I hate to think that way. But nobody thought about 9-11. But, you know, what if a nuclear bomb goes off in New York? I mean, those, at any point, those kind of things can happen. We're in a crazy world. You let the wrong people get a hold to a warhead, they could get it into New York or, or, or Washington or somewhere, and we'd see on the news that something like that had happened. It could very well happen. Uh, but I am looking for the Lord's return. So there's great anticipation. Um, Matthew 24, 44, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We, we, just when you think he ain't going to come. So I, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I need to be going, oh, the Lord's not coming back right now. He's not going to come back right now. He's not going to come back right now. Uh, but uh, so it's anticipation. The Lord's coming, and, and man, I'm, I'm excited about his return. Evangelism, we need to tell people about Jesus. Uh, the greatest proof that you believe what I've said this evening is not if you took notes, put some notes in your margin or took notes on a piece of paper. It's, it's not, well, you know, I think I got it in my head. No, it's whether you got it in your heart. Amen. Did you get this in your heart? And, and is there a passion in your heart to bring people to Jesus Christ uh, that people might be saved? Folks, that's what, that above all else, that's, you know, here's the deal. We are to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? 
That's the first and the greatest commandment. You know, if we're not doing that, that's the greatest sin, if we're not doing that. But if we're doing that, you know what I know? If we love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then we want to do what He wants us to do. And what He wants us to do is win folks to, to Him. That's what He wants us to do. He says, love your neighbor. Second, second thing, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I tell you what, if I was lost, I'd want somebody to tell me about it. If I was going to hell, I'd want somebody to come and, and cast a, a lifeline to me. That's what we ought to be doing. That's how we ought to love our neighbor. You know, I, 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 I'm, for, I'm for social programs. I'm for doing things to help people. But, but you know what? If, all you, if you're just going to put a well in in Africa and you're not going to tell them the gospel, okay, great, you gave them fresh water. They, they can have fresh water now and burn in hell for all of eternity. I'm not for social programs in that way. You know, I, I, you can feed people, but if I'm going to say you got to come to Jesus and order a hamburger, but if you're going to feed them a hamburger and you're going to help people, then then share the gospel with them. Give them give them bread of life. Amen. Give them give them give them water that that they'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. Amen. So we we ought to we ought to have a passion. To, to win souls and to share, share with those around us. Be a soul winner. And you go, well, preacher, I know I need to do that. I want to do that. I don't know how to do that. I, I'll, I'll sit down with anybody. You tell me, you tell me, I want to learn to be a soul winner. I'll sit down with you. I'll show you some, some ways to do that. It's not that hard. It really isn't. You don't have to be a great theologian. You know how you got saved. You know what the Bible says, how we get saved. It's not hard. The hard part is this having a conversation because we're intimidated by that. You know how I know that? Because we're intimidated by just by meeting somebody new. All right? Be honest. How many of you are a little... We were talking about this in, I think, in, weren't we talking about this in the membership class the other day? We are talking about this how if, if uh, you know, most of us by nature, we're a little shy. A little shy, a little reserved. And so we see new people and we're like, I know they're new, but it's all it takes. And they're as scared as you are. Hey, I'm Conrad. What's your name? Danielle. Danielle. Nice to meet you, Danielle. Nice See how easy you. that was for her? I made it easy for her. I mean, it was really easy for me, too, because all I had to do was just, just reach out. It's, it's simple. It's simple. And I learned this years ago. I was working at FedEx. And I probably shared this before. I was working at FedEx. And people would call on the phone. I, I could have all kinds of conversations on the phone. People I'd never seen, never heard, didn't know. Talked to Michael Jordan one time on the telephone. Beside the point. <laughs> I couldn't talk to him real well. I was like, uh, when he told me, and it was, it, his voice is very distinct. He knew my boss from, uh, they went to high school together. And uh, I said, uh, um, um, okay, I'll tell him. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, but what I found is I could have those conversations on the phone. People would walk in the door, and I could have a conversation just so easy because, you know, that's my job. It's my job. I'm getting paid. That's what I have to do. I went, wow, I can do that when I'm getting paid. Why can't I do it for my Lord? And so I learned, and I've shared this, and y'all, some of you laugh at me. I'm, I'm a shy person. I really am. I'm a reserved person. I come in a room of 100 people, my nature, my nature is to stand in the back of the room, find somebody that's got a friendly face, and we'll stand there and have a conversation. 
and, and watch everybody else. That's what my nature wants to do. Or find a table and sit with a couple people. Maybe, oh man, I know that guy. Let's go talk to him. You know, but I've learned to overcome that. And, and it's just because I want to I I get out and be friendly. I want to meet and greet people because I want to re, represent the Lord. So we can all do that. It's part of being friendly in the church. And people come in and, man, our, nobody's ever said this church is an unfriendly church. But boy, we could, really be, we could be more friendly. Amen. And it can be more than just a, a handshake on Sunday morning. It could be some relationships that build. And man, in, in three months, you'd be like, man, that's one of the best friends I got in the world. We just met three months ago. Great stuff. Are you saved? Are you saved? I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But if you're not, if you don't know that you know that you know, if you're like, well, I think I know, then you're not there. You need to know that you know that you know. And the scriptures are clear. You can, these things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. We don't have to wonder. Scripture is very clear. So tonight, if you go, preacher, I don't know that I know that I know. I'm not, I'm not absolutely certain on this. If you've got some question, then deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it before you leave here tonight. I'll be glad to talk with you. I'll be glad to stick around and talk with you, okay? All right. Chapter 20. We're getting close. We're getting close. Todd, you're gonna, you already know where you're going? You got the last, you're just going to finish up chapter 20? Okay, he's going to finish up chapter 20.